Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. If you've been around with us for a few weeks, you'll know about our series. We're doing the Lifescape series. Um, Lifescape isn't a real word. It's, uh, well, it's kind of, what makes a word? Uh, words, you know, every year new words get added to the dictionary. I'm sure Lifescape counts in that kind of context, but it's like a kind of combination of words. It's like landscape and life. And it's, it's uh, the idea behind this is, you know, if I asked you to describe yourself or if I asked you to sum your life up, what would that look like? You, you couldn't just, you couldn't give me that in, in two sentences. You couldn't give me that in, we could sit down for an hour and you couldn't give me your, your whole life. You know, Lifescape is that full kind of encompassing picture of what it is to be you, your identity, your history, your past, present and future, and all of that wrapped up into one. I was thinking about it within the, like the context of um, a painting or like a, in an art gallery. Yeah, see, because I'm highbrow like that, you know. So uh, <laughs> I, I think in these kind of like conceptual kind of like ways. No, um, imagine... You could describe a painting in a number of different ways, and it's exactly the same in kind of talking about life. So you could talk about a painting purely in terms of the color and never actually talk about the medium, like the, the, way, the, the actual kind of paint that was used, or you could never talk about um, the scale of it, the scale of something else. You could talk about uh, a painting and talk about the texture of the brushstrokes and never actually talk about the color. There's so many different, like facets that make up a painting when you see when you walk into an art gallery and you're just your eyes just caught by a, a fantastic work of art it, it grabs you and it there's so many reasons why that just it just leaves you kind of breathless and I think that's the the picture that I have for us for our lives as as God is that that master craftsman that that artist he paints a picture across our life that covers so many different things. It blends together a myriad of colors and crosses, uh, you know, from start to finish. It's not a moment in time, but an artist will work on a painting for a whole, a whole period of time, a journey, if you like, going from start to finish. And so it is with God. And so it is with the Lifescape series. It's that picture, if you like, of our lives, all the different parts that, that come together, our emotions, our, um, our background, our, our hopes, dreams, and desires, all wrapped up into one word, lifescape. So, you know, in that sense, it's a pretty, pretty powerful word. Yeah. And then we're all, we're, all of our lifescape uh, messages are centered around one particular verse. We're looking at Romans chapter 12. We'll go there now, and then we'll, we'll crack on um, with the rest, of the, uh, the rest of the message. So Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 to 8, quite a well-known, quite a well-known series of uh, series of verses, and uh, we'll run through them. Can we have it in the NLT? Is that all right, uh, Jane? I, I can't read the NKJV. It's, uh, it just doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> no, uh, that's not true. I just like the NLT because, um, I don't know, I just like it. Yeah, it's simple. It's simple. It's simple. Yeah, I like vanilla ice cream. <laughs> And margarita pizza, it's true. I like, I like the simple things. 
And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Let's stop there. It's a great, it's a great verse. Lots of like, lots of meat in there. Lots packed in as lessons for life. And you know, I really believe that as each of us go through life, and I'm not just talking about us in this room. I'm talking about. I, I think I'm talking about the humans as a species. We are looking for something, desperately looking for something to believe in. I think that's that's. People have spoken that about as as a as a race, that we, that we are desperately searching for something. Yeah. Trying to find that point of connection. And you know, I think today, in like today's society, and again, I'm speaking about myself, and maybe you'll disagree with me, and, and if so, that's probably for the, for the better rather than for the worse, because I feel like, as a confession, I'm quite a cynical person. I know that might shock some of you. <laughs> I know that might astound others and I know it might actually sound like the most obvious thing in the world to those of you who actually know me quite well but I you know I think that it's actually quite tough today because we are um we're bombarded by information on a daily basis forget daily basis on a minute by minute basis and I, I find it makes me quite cynical if you take I'm going to run through some tv ads that make me feel a bit cynical <laughs> I don't believe that Baraka is me on a good day. <laughs> Sorry, I just don't believe it. I don't believe that switching my home insurance on Money Supermarket will really make me feel epic. <laughs> I don't believe that Red Bull gives me wings. <laughs> and I most certainly do not believe that I can taste the feeling with Coca-Cola. What the heck does that even mean? Taste the feeling. And my issue isn't with adverts. Like my issue isn't with advertising. My issue is the fact that they're not true. Like my issue is the fact that they're 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 kind of they're they're not lies essentially. I'm not. I don't have anything against Barocca, Money Supermarket, Coca Cola, or Red Bull. I'm just using those as, as examples. My issue is that there's this competition to get in front of your eyeballs. There's this competition to try and influence you, to try and persuade you, to try and get you to buy into my brand, my message, my product. And with that competition, it just leads to more and more outlandish 
things being used to try and convince us to, uh, you know, part with our credit card information. <laughs> and it makes me feel cynical. It makes me feel cynical. That's it. And it's not just TV. You know, I think that you can see that... Um, even politically, I think we've seen that in the past year across the country where there's been a real sh- unrest in a lack of trust, a lack of trust in, the, in, in our government, a lack of trust in the political landscape. You can see that right now if you follow the, uh, the media over in the States as they gear up for uh, an election. You get this, this fascinating kind of, uh, this is fascinating election where you're getting people voting based on their lack of trust for the other person. Not because of their trust in the person they are voting for, but actually a distrust in the other guy. Yeah. And that's like, you know, what a, what a scary way to, uh, what a scary way to pick a government. What a scary way to, to live your life. And you know, that cynicism kind of builds. And I, I find it in me, I find that I can be quite cynical. I can, I can, uh, not trust if, if somebody's saying something without kind of looking for the angle. What are they actually trying to sell me here? What's the, what's, the real, uh, what's the real scoop? And you know what? I think that people take that cynicism into church. That might sound like a harsh thing to say. I think it's totally understandable. OJ did an amazing takeover with an incredible uh, verse that you shared from Hebrews. The promise of the Bible is huge. The promise of the gospel is not a nice, small, put-in-your-back-pocket-saver-for-later kind of thing. It's life-changing, but it's challenging. I can understand why that cynicism applies to, uh, to people when they come into church. That promise of an eternal relationship with our Heavenly Father who loves us, has a plan and a purpose for us, who sent His Son to die on a cross that we might be set free, that's big. And the Bible's gift is challenging. As much as it is free, as much as it is for everybody, it's not an easy thing for us to get our heads around. To accept this gift, to accept the good news, requires stepping out in faith. It requires trust. Not just a little bit of trust, but a lot of trust. It requires stepping out with both feet in at the deep end and saying, God, I'm with you in this. And that leads me on to what I want to talk about tonight. And it's the idea of absolute assurance, which is a scary two words. I'll tell you that. Absolute assurance. Assurance is described in the dictionary as an absence of doubt or Carefree confidence is another way of kind of reading that. An absence of doubt. And that immediately puts me on the back foot. Because I'm a warrior. I like to think about things that may never, ever come to pass. <laughs> and this idea of absolute, not just a little bit, not just like 50%, absolute okay. assurance. Yeah. A complete absence of doubt that's a scary thing for me to uh, to think about so i want to talk about that tonight it's actually an incredible incredible two words when we understand what god is asking us when we talk about this idea of assurance this idea of worry-free uh, trust carefree confidence there's some amazing stuff that we can unpack 
If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Romans 8. Um, we've just read Romans 12. We're going to read Romans 8 now and verse 38. And again, a very, very well-known, uh, very well known, very couple of verses in Scripture. But I just want to, I want to go into to this and spend a little bit of time on this tonight. Uh, Romans 8.38 starts, And I am convinced, underline that one, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. So good. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. Pretty bold words. I love that. I am convinced. I feel like, you, do you remember the movie Eight Mile? I feel like that, if, if Paul was alive today, that would be like some sort of like battle rap that he'd be like getting ready. Like that just feels like he's just, he's just throwing punches while he says that. Do you know what I mean? That's like built for a Rocky montage. That nothing would separate us from the love of God. It's so, it's so good. But are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? I hate that question. You know, like, this happens to me a lot. I'll be looking for something. Robin maybe has sent me through to find maybe an item of clothing in Kayla's room. And I'll come back and say, it isn't there. Well, are, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was. And now I'm not. <laughs> I had complete confidence until he asked me if I was sure. <laughs> not anymore. And nine times out of ten, that... I, yeah, I'm not sure, and for good reason, because it's been like a man look, and I haven't actually found it. The man look is, where's my phone? My phone isn't here. My phone isn't here. I have, my eyes are open, and I'm staring at, this, at the lectern, but my phone isn't there. And then, oh, wait, oh, wait, hold on, hold on, sorry, it's okay, it's there. I look for it, and it wasn't there. Are you sure? Then Romans 8.38, Paul is sure. Paul is Sure, sure. Paul speaks with this incredible conviction. He speaks with this, he says it himself, I am confident. Paul displays this absolute assurance in such a great way. And he, he sets us up as a, an example for us to look at tonight as we, as we unpack what that means for us. Paul's assurance is in God's love for him. Paul's assurance is in that he is saved because of what Jesus has done. Yeah. It's amazing. If we, I talked about the idea of the Lifescape series being, like looking at a picture, looking at a painting and seeing the kind of that, that journey of your life kind of mapped across it with brush strokes and color, the dark and the light all kind of coming together to, to create this incredible picture. If we imagine that our life is an unfinished painting, and I'm saying unfinished because unless anybody's heart stops ticking through the course of this, this sermon, we're all still finishing that painting. You know, we're all still tracking out that plan and that purpose that God has for us. If we think about the idea of our life as a painting, absolute assurance is trusting the vision of the artist. Absolute assurance is having confidence in the brushstrokes of the master. 
Not getting scared when a particular colour comes out. <laughs> Did you ever, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever watched someone paint or if you've ever seen someone painting on TV or on YouTube or something like that and you're like, it's looking good and then they bring out like purple and you're like, there's no purple in what you're looking at. You're going to ruin this. <laughs> it's all going wrong. That's not absolute assurance. And then, this is, this is me as like a non-artist watching an artist. And then you, you look at the end result and you think, how did you make that purple fit so perfectly with that picture? I couldn't see it. I didn't see it happening. I thought you were going to ruin it. But you had a picture in your head of what was going to happen. You knew what that color was used for. You knew what was going to happen after that. And I didn't trust your vision. Absolute assurance is trusting the vision of the master and saying, I know, God, you have a plan and purpose for my life. I know that painting isn't finished yet. I'm going to hold on and see what you have in store. And when I say that, I'm not talking about living life like it's a Jackson Pollock. Like, I'm not talking about closing your eyes and just saying, it doesn't matter what I do, because God's got some plan in store. I can close my eyes and run out into traffic, and it's all going to be good. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about trusting in God, not foolishly playing ignorant and just running out and seeing what happens. I'm really excited, actually, about the idea of getting to the end of my days and looking back at the twists and turns that my life has taken and understanding what God had in store for me. It's so hard. You know, we say 2020 hindsight. It's so hard to look forward and see what's coming tomorrow. But to look back across a lifetime and see that lifescape, I'm really excited by that. Absolute assurance is not having confidence that God is going to remove every dark color from your painting. Absolute assurance is not believing God that he is going to smooth out your path with no bump in the road, no twists, no turns, no nothing. You're just going to coast through life like a seven-year-old in Heelys in the supermarket. (laughs) Just... (laughs) You know, you see them, you're like walking down the aisle and just zoop. (laughs) Some floating child just (laughs) zipped past me. And then zip, come back with like, I don't know, some frosted cereal. (laughs) Mom, can I have this? No. Zip. (laughs) Come back with something else. Mom, can I have this? No. Zip. That's not what it's about. We're not talking about this, this smooth, pristine, clinical, like, oh, it just makes me feel ill, just the idea. Like, it's, it's more than that. Absolute assurance is not about protecting or, or securing or, or isolating us from, from, from life. That's not what God has in store. And I want to use an analogy that I'm going to carry through, and um, I, I hope you, you can follow along with me. That idea of absolute assurance, and I do believe that, that, 
there's a, there's a lot of Christians who feel that way. There's a lot of Christians who have this idea that now that I follow God, nothing can touch me. Like nothing bad can, can come to, can come to like knock me off my path or, or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not kind of like trying to scare people and dooming, dooming gloom. I'm just saying that's not what God's talking about when he's talking about absolute assurance. That's like having confidence that your boat is never going to sink by not putting it in the water. I'll say that again because I I think this is an important thing. It's like having confidence that your boat will never sink by not putting it in the water. Obviously, it won't sink. Duh. Like, there's no question of that. Your boat's not going to sink. But you haven't even given it the chance to try. You haven't even tested it. Yeah, absolutely, man. You can wrap your boat in bubble wrap and keep it in storage and it will not sink, I guarantee you that. (laughs) But you've completely missed the point that it was built for. You've completely missed what that boat was intended to do. You've completely missed what that boat was designed for. And it's important. It's so important to understand this idea. You know, when Paul is talking, that, that, that verse that we just read in Romans eight thirty eight about how nothing can separate us from God's love. You know, the, the power in that verse comes from the fact that Paul's boat was not only in the water, but Paul knew the storms that were coming. Paul didn't say that believing that his boat was going to be plain sailing from there on out. Paul writes these words knowing the trouble that he was going to face. In fact, um, we, we, we sh- uh, OJ shared some of it, that idea of, that, that idea of suffering, that idea of uh, persecution. And we know that Paul went through some of the worst of that. And can you imagine how much weaker Paul's statement would be if his confidence, if his assurance is in an easy life? a worry-free life, problem-free life, the Heelys in the supermarket coasting down the aisle life. I've taken this opportunity to rewrite Romans 8.38. If we could have, let's have that up on on the screen. I'm going to read my version. This is Paul's worry-free 8.38. I am convinced that nothing, neither slightly overburnt toast nor poor Wi-Fi signal, neither shoes that rub a little bit, nor having to do the dishes, neither our fears for our battery life today, nor worrying whether we've already seen that episode of Grand Designs tomorrow, not even light rain when we've forgotten to take a jacket will ever separate us from God's love. It's weak. It's weak. If you remember one thing from tonight, I want you to remember that absolute assurance is knowing the quality of your boat, not knowing the weather forecast for tomorrow. But assurance is a relational word. It's not just you on your own. Paul's assurance is in God. He's putting his assurance in God. He knows he needs it. There's no doubt, no worry, because he knows it. He's convinced. He's convicted. He'll never be separated from the love of God. 
And it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And there's so much that we can learn from. But you might be thinking to yourself, well, so what? <laughs> Bully for Paul. Congratulations for him. But that doesn't help me one bit. You know, it doesn't help when work is tough, when your boss is giving you a hard time. It doesn't help when the car's broken down or I'm in my overdraft and the bills are coming in. That's good for Paul, but, but what does that mean for me? But we really need to look beyond Paul's words and actually understand where his foundation is, where he's getting that source of conviction from, where he's drawing on that assurance. And I think it's two things, two things that apply to each and every one of us, and we can get so much out of this, and they're super simple. I believe that Paul's foundation in his assurance comes from the knowledge of the scriptures and a relationship with God. Now, if you know a bit about Paul's history, you'll know that he knew the scriptures inside out. He was trained from, from a young age to know the, the Jewish law. But that didn't mean that he had a relationship with God. And if you, if you know Paul's story, he actually spent his life trying to crush and kill and destroy the church. He spent his life trying to wipe out the followers of Jesus because he saw them as ungodly until and I love that there's that that break in his picture until Paul has this intersection moment with God and suddenly there's relationship and you see this transformation as the relationship with God takes his knowledge of the scriptures and turns them on their head they're still true they're still right but suddenly he understands and you see that assurance, you see that conviction dig in. He goes 180 degrees from trying to wipe out the church to, I am convinced that nothing will ever separate me from God's love. How big a U-turn can you pick? Like you cannot get a bigger U-turn than that. His knowledge of the scriptures and his relationship with God. And it's exactly the same for us. Sounds boring. It's super powerful. Our assurance, our steadfastness, that ability to not worry when waves start hitting the boat, that comes from knowing God's word and hearing God's voice. That's it. Know God's word, hear God's voice. I love this analogy that I've, I, I use of, of the idea of a boat. And it has a double layer, it has a double meaning this morning in children's church, we were talking about, uh, we did the story of Noah's Ark and we were drawing rainbows and stuff like that. It's beautiful. <laughs> it was very special. But actually, the Ark is a symbol representing what Jesus was to become. Because the boat weathered the storm, it weathered the punishment it provided protection, security, and a safe place as the storm came and the storm ripped through the earth. The boat is a powerful, powerful metaphor in the story of, uh, in the story of Noah and the ark. It points to what Jesus would do for us on the cross thousands of years later. Yeah. So when I talk about Knowing our boat, I'm talking about knowing Jesus. Mm 
when I talk about trusting the quality that the boat's going to stay float, I'm saying the waves are going to come. doesn't matter. That boat ain't going nowhere. That boat isn't going to sink. That boat isn't going to go down. That boat can handle any wave you can throw at it. That boat survived death and came back. That boat has conquered for us. That's where my assurance is. You know, I want to say that we don't need to be experts from day one. I think that's something that, I think we can struggle with that. This idea that some things just take time. I love, uh, there's a quote from uh, Warren Buffett, the famous um, investor at Berkshire Hathaway. He has this great quote, he says that, some things just take time. You cannot grow a baby in one month by getting nine women pregnant. <laughs> Don't read too much into that. But you get what I mean. It's, it's just not going to happen. Some things just take time. A baby needs nine months in one womb. doesn't need nine wombs in one month. <laughs> you know, we... We, we, we were on this journey and we, we refer to our Christian walk with God as a journey and I think it's a great word to use. It's a great, it's a great, um, it's a great example of, of doing life with God because a journey starts out with a step. You don't complete your journey immediately. It takes time. And a long journey, a great journey, an adventure takes a lifetime. And I love that, that God walks with us on that journey. God's not just waiting at the destination, going, come on, hurry up, I'm waiting, come on, taking your sweet time here, like you're supposed to finish this ages ago. That's not what he's doing. He's actually walking with us, saying, come on, yeah. let's take another step. Yeah. Come on, I've, I've got this. You can go one, one step more. We see this in examples all through the Bible, examples that I love. Like if you look at the children of Israel leaving Egypt, it took them 40 years to get into the promised land and a journey that should have taken them a matter of weeks. It wasn't because God left them and was just waiting for them at the other side. It's because he actually stayed with them the whole way. He wanted to make sure that they were ready. He walked with them until they'd got, that, got to that point in the journey where they were strong enough to go into the promised land, where they were able to weather, their boat was able to weather the storms that were going to come when they went in to, to take control of what God had in store. Or Gideon, another great example. And, and Brian, you had a fantastic preach where you referenced Gideon just a couple of weeks ago. And I, I love the story of Gideon so much. I reckon, if, if you don't know the story of Gideon, I encourage you to go and read it. I'm not going to go into it just now. This isn't time. But I imagine if the angel of the Lord showed up before Gideon and said, Gideon, pick 300 men. We're going to go kill all the Midianites. Gideon would have told the angel of the Lord to go and do one. <laughs> That's not what happened. The angel of the Lord comes and encourages Gideon and gradually, step by step, walks with him to help him understand what he has in store. Why do you think he whittled down the number of soldiers from like, what was it, like 30,000 down to 1,000, down to 300? He takes steps with it. Why not just do it in one big sweep? Because Gideon wasn't ready and God was working with Gideon. God works with us. So when we look at Paul's absolute assurance, that's not just some unobtainable goal that we'll never be able to reach. Wow, that confidence, that conviction, I'm never going to get there. What would God? Hear his voice, know his word, apply it, and just see what happens. 
And to conclude, I just want to come back to the start. People are desperately seeking for truth. Something that they can believe in. Something that they can depend on. And it's not the politician. It's not the band. It's not the diet or the exercise routine. God stands there and says, it's okay, trust in me. I've got a boat that will hold you. I've got a boat that will keep you afloat. Step into my boat and find rest. And so when I come with my cynicism and I step into the presence of God, it just, I just feel that weight of God's love just shatter that toughness, that thick skin. And I'm, I find myself just in that place where God just meets with me and says, it's okay, I've got it. I don't know about you today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how far along that journey you are. But I want to say that God has a plan and a purpose. He has an unfailing love. He's got promises that don't break. He's got words that stand strong for generations. Just like OJ said. And when he says, you can lean on me, he means it. When he says, I got this, he means it. I just want to encourage you tonight to just go that next step. Take that next step. Wherever that is, wherever you're at, there's one step more. Because I'm telling you, none of us have reached the end of our life. None of us have reached that finished picture that God's painting with us. There's so much more there, so much more in store. And as we take that step, we take that step, and we take another step, we know with confidence, we know with conviction, it doesn't matter what comes tomorrow. My confidence isn't in the weather forecast. My confidence is in the boat that I'm standing in. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com.